What's up, everyone? Welcome to High Life Radio, where we talk about a healthy investment in your growth and happiness. I'm your host, Thomas Mark, and today I have the most powerful interview of the year for you. I know 2018 just started, but I wanted to kick it off with a bang and bring you guys some of my most fire content yet. I'm super pumped for today's show. Let me just give you a little bit of backdrop before we get into the lengthy interview. Today, I had on who I'm happy to call a friend of mine now, Mr. Jim DeFalco. Mr. Jim DeFalco, you can find him on Facebook at Jimmy DeFalco, D-E-F-A-L-C-O, Jimmy DeFalco, or you can find him on Instagram at Jim underscore dad. That's J-Y-M underscore dad. And let me tell you, his story is, it blew me away. It genuinely blew me away. I mean... I don't I, I I was absolutely lost for words at the end of the interview and you know if I was taken aback like that I know you guys are going to be absolutely blown away as well just to give you a brief little context before we get in Jim essentially lived a life of the Wolf of Wall Street if you're not familiar with that movie it's you know it's the equivalent of that high roller Wall Street banker just you know work hard play hard to the maximum and so he lived the life of the Wolf of Wall Street. He is a recovering addict, a recovering alcoholic. Ups and downs are an understatement. This man has been to hell and back many times. But I am just beyond thrilled to say that he has, you know, he has pushed through and persevered. And he's bounced back like nothing I've ever seen before. He is in amazing shape. He has a beautiful family. He's on course to start his own business. This man is just nothing but success right now. And primarily, he attributed his transformation to health and fitness. And I'm just super psyched to have him on the show today so he can share his story and how he was the epitome of perseverance and never giving up. So without further ado, guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember, if you do like it at the end of it, if you could head on over to iTunes and leave that review, it would mean the world to me. And just to give you a little heads up, this is a phone interview. I wasn't able to get a live interview with Jim. He is down in Orlando. So there may be times in which the phone call quality does dip. I do apologize in advance. But nonetheless, here is the most fire interview of 2018. Welcome, everyone, to High Life Radio. I have an amazing guest today. His name is Jim DeFalco. Jim, what's going on, my man? What's going on, Thomas? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. We were, Jim and I had the awesome opportunity to link up over on Instagram. He's doing some amazing things, and I just really want to have him on the show. I think he's going to bring a lot of you guys a ton of value. So, Jim, if you just want to start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who are you? What's your story? I know you got a lot going on. Yeah, I do, Thomas, and I, I really appreciate the, the kind introduction, man. Uh, well, first of all, my name is Jim DeFalco. Um, I'm from Orlando, Florida, and I'm a recovering um, addict and alcoholic. I was an alcoholic pretty much from, you know, my whole adult life, and I've been clean a little over two years now. My date's back in December, and Congratulations. the last two years, I've really made um, – like a physical and psychological transformation and learn how to kind of manage my emotions and my brain. And I just kind of want to 
pass along what I've learned so hopefully some other people can apply that to their own lives. Anyone who's struggling with anything in life whatsoever, you know, you can apply what I've learned to everything. So I'll kind of start off just by, you know, running through kind of like my 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 story kind of from childhood. Um, Perfect. Yeah, let's hear it. Is, is that good, Thomas? Okay, awesome, man. I grew up the oldest of five kids on a lake house in Orlando, Florida, and you know, at the time, I thought my childhood was immensely blessed. Looking back on it, I realized how fucked up it was. Um, so, I was trying to come up with an analogy on how to explain kind of like my father and, and my relationship. And have you ever seen The Wolf of Wall Street, Thomas? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. So, most of your listeners have seen it as well. And I'll go into a little bit more detail if they haven't. But basically... My father was like a smaller scale Jordan Belfort. He made a lot of money, parsed his ass off, and never really had any repercussions for doing so. So, you know, I thought it was normal. You know, as a 16-year-old kid interning, that my father had a smoking room in his office to smoke weed in. I thought that was normal. Um, you know, I thought it was normal when I would walk in my father's desk, but he would walk into his room and I would see him snorting coke off his desk at 10.30 in the morning. You know, so, you know, I'll never go Jeez. and blame. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, and I thought all this was normal, bro. I would see my friend's fathers, and I would go and be like, what's wrong with this pussy? He lets his wife tell him what to do? You know? <laughs> but that's, that's the normal way. That's how things should be, you know? Exactly. And so, I never thought that that stuff was real, too. I mean, I know it's, like, depicted in movies, but to hear it first, nah, man, like, like yeah, so, basically... You know, my my father gave me my first beer at eight. He was more of a friend to me than a father. You know, he wanted to be my buddy. He wanted to impress me. He would tell me stories of his partying days when I was 12 years old. And, like, I had no, you know, I shouldn't have been hearing those type of things. But, you know, he bought me, he gave me my first beer at eight. He bought me an escort in New York City at the Plaza Hotel when I was 14 years old. And which my little brother, who was nine years old, saw me go in do this escort, and then he saw my father going after. She can only imagine how messed up he was from, you know, seeing that as well. You know, I smoked my first joint with him at 16. He had to the coke around 20. Myself, he would never let me do it until then. And then he uh, introduced pills to me at 21. So I started doing, like, Xanax and stuff with him around that time. And, you know, growing up in this type of environment, seeing my father make millions of dollars, and have a great time while doing it, I didn't see any problem with his lifestyle. So I looked at him, and I wanted to emulate it. I wanted to become just like him. And he would go back and blame anyone for my mishaps in the past. But, you know, humans, all of our decisions are based off of our belief and our value system. All right? If you don't believe that you're going to succeed, you know, performing a particular action or task, you're not going to do it. If you don't value the outcome, you know, you're not going to do it. So my belief in my value system was surrounded around money, drugs, you know, fighting, and girls. You know, my father told me when I was 16, find a girl who's going to be a good wife and be a good mother and go fuck everyone else. You know, that's what he told me at 16. So that's what I thought I should do, you know. And my decision-making over the next 15 years or so 
definitely, you know, mirrored those beliefs and those values, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so, after my childhood, I graduated high school. I was always a decent student. Um, I went to Florida State University, and I, you know, continued my father's legacy because I thought he was a legend, you know? I blacked out two to four times a week. I fell on my face, lost a tooth. You know, I have an implant in my mouth that so took a Xanax, went out and drank. Um, I woke up in jail not knowing how I got there. I literally did not know how I got there. Um, terrible feeling. Actually, my buddy got a DUI in my car while we were driving home one night. And while the cops are behind me with their lights on, and I don't remember this. This is what the police report says. I get out of the car, get into the driver's seat, and just drive away. You know, and oh my obviously God. they, yeah, obviously they caught up in the me. But I woke up in jail in a fetal position on the ground asking my buddy, you know, how'd we get here? He told me, and I couldn't believe what I did. You know, I spent three years of felony probation for that and everything. But it still didn't teach me a lesson. I was only focused on, oh, thank God I'm not in prison because my dad has money. I was focused on poor me. Why can't I party anymore? So luckily I didn't get caught, but I still partied. I still did drugs. Um, and I just played it somewhat safer. But, again, I didn't learn any lessons from that. Um, so after college, I graduated thinking I was about to take over an empire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my father was going to retire in five to ten years. I was learning the business. He was going to make more fucking money and party harder than he ever did. And I'm not sure if you recall, but when the market crashed in 2008, um, we lost everything. My father just had back surgery, and he was on OxyContin at the time. And back in 2008, we really didn't know how bad that stuff was. But he was on it, and so he couldn't really save the company. And the whole the company had for 25 years folded because um, a few of his major clients went out of business. He didn't have the money coming in anymore. So, um, you know, after he lost the business, he asked me to open up, you know, my own company, the Falco and Son Advertising because he had too much bad debt associated with his name. Now, we already lost our houses, the cars, the boats. I lost my girlfriend. My brother was in prison at this time for heroin. And so, you know, in the matter of a year, year and a half, we went from, like, the perfect family, I guess you could say, on the outside perspective at least, to, you know, just, like, to a mess, to, like, a white trash family it looked like from the outside now. Um, so my, I had a hesitancy for opening up my own company, but my mother hadn't worked in 20 years. I had two brothers and two sisters that relied on income, you know, and I, so I took it on my shoulders to take care of them. I opened up the company. We moved it for about a year and a half or so. My dad was in and out of jail while the company, so I'm literally a 21-year-old kid with the stress of my family well-being on my back. My dad's in jail. I'm on one phone on my right ear with a client. Dad, he's like telling me what to say to this client, you know. So it was just a mess. Anything a twenty-one-year-old kid right out of college should be dealing with. So, um, after about a year or so, I got a letter in the mail, and it was from the IRS. IRS forty thousand dollars in payroll taxes. Not my father, me, because it's my company. And yeah, so. You know, you can only imagine, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I dissolved the company. I saw a bad. My dad was in out of jail on drugs. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I closed the company. So over the next few weeks, he was threatening me, you know, calling me. You know, this guy was the guy that looked up to more than anyone in the 
world. You know, I wanted to be just like him. And all of a sudden, all of his things that I looked up to him for were having a negative effect on his life for the first time. And so he's lost his number. He's calling me, telling me he's going to kill me. You know, he's gonna he's gonna beat my ass. He's gonna do all these things. So I block his number, and then I remember one day about six a.m. after a night of partying, of course, I hear a huge crash, and I hear, "Where the fuck is he?" And I knew it was my father right away. He literally kicked the hinges off of my door at six a.m. in the townhouse I was living in, and. I was scared of my father most of my life. He, you know, he told me to fight and not be scared of anyone, but I was always scared of him. So, you know, I was like, this is it. I'm done running. You know, I have to face him. So I went out in the hallway. I was just I'm right here, motherfucker. He comes chasing at me. He's all in I think he's up for like four or five days at this point. Um, so he wasn't that hard of a fight. He, <laughs> he, swing, he swings at me. And you see the more guys out, you know, two, three times his size. That's why I was so scared of him. So he brings me, I get him in the headlock. And it's my father. So the guy I looked up to my whole life, I don't want to hit him. I don't want to hurt him. So I give him a few little jabs. And what he did next, like, I'll never, ever forget. I have it, like, imprinted in my brain. He looks up and he goes, that's all you got, motherfucker? Like, with all this evil in his eyes. I'll never forget the way his eyes looked. And oh started wailing on him. Yeah, man, it was it was it was crazy. So then I just started wailing on him. And um, so after after he said that, you know, I started wailing on him. And when I started that, my my roommate had this aggressive pit bull. He then jumped up and literally bit a hole through my ear. Like I still have the scar in my ear. He like bit a clean hole straight through the ear. Thank God he didn't get my face or my neck. Um, so I dragged my father. He was knocked out cold. We literally dragged him to the driveway, called the cops, and he's still on probation to this day from that incident. We didn't talk for a few years um, after that, but we're on decent terms today. And so kind of after that whole fiasco, like, I didn't know, like, who I was. I was, like, lost as an individual because um, I had this blueprint of who I was supposed to be in life, and all of a sudden – like, that just faded away, and it was gone. So, you know, I didn't know who I was, so I, I self-medicated even more than I did. I moved to downtown Orlando in a high-rise, working for a recruiting company, and, you know, I was partying my ass off, going out three, four nights a week, um, doing a lot of coke, just being an idiot. Um, then the girl that I was talking to, actually, my fiance, we're not married yet, but the mother of my two sons, I have a three-year-old, almost four on January 26th, and an 18-month-old, Anthony and Angelo. Congratulations. Happy early birthday, Boom. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. And um, so I met Julie, and she got pregnant. And I was so into myself and my life and my partying, I, like, I wasn't having any of it. And to be honest, to, to you, Thomas, and to all your listeners, I want to make it clear, I was a little hesitant about telling this part. Because it, it, it's, it's terrible what I did. But I feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I left this part out. Um, just to kind of give in contrast on how much I've changed. So I asked Julie to have an abortion. She said no. So I didn't know what else to do. So I took my uncle's advice. And his advice was the worst thing you can think of. He told me to tell Julie that I wasn't going to be around as a father. And she was going to have to raise the kid on her own. 
try and scare her to get an abortion. Like, it, it makes me shake, like, now, just even thinking that. But that's exactly what I did. And I never had true intentions of doing that. I just wanted to scare her. And, but it, it didn't work. Thank God. Thank God it didn't work. And she was, she was stronger than me at that point in time. Thank God. Um, so, you know, after about two months, I went back, begged for forgiveness. Um, eventually, after a little bit, she, you know, forgave me. So, we got back together. We rented a house in the suburbs. And instead of focusing on, you know, January 26, 2014, instead of focusing on everything that I've gained and the amazing life that I had ahead of me, I was focused on everything that I lost. You know, I lost my partying. I lost my freedom. I lost my boy time. You know, so it was really hard for me to kind of be happy because I was focused on everything I lost. And, you know, perception is reality, kind of something I wanted to touch on that I'll get more into later. But it's all, you know, life happens to everyone. It's all about how you react and, you know, your mindset. So I ran into a buddy at the time. And my father was down here with opiates brother go to prison. So I told myself I would never touch those things, but I was feeling so sorry for myself. You know, poor me, poor me. When I had this amazing family, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me now, but that's how I thought at the time. That I started taking Oxycontin and I was snorting them and between, you know, two to four months, it was just on the week, you know, between a month or two, just on the weekends and then within two to four months, it was, I needed two or three pills a day just to get through the day. And at this same time, you know, at 21, when I said I started snorting Xanax to my father, you know, he told me the doctor to go to and I had a subscription. So I had, you know, like 60 Xanax a month. I was buying the opiates, you know, over the counter. So I was just in a constant stupor. Um, and I couldn't function without both of them. It was, it was really bad. The, the drugs, they, they take hold of you like no other. I, I don't know how to explain it other than, you don't give a fuck about anything else except getting high. Every interaction you have, everything you do, there's an end game with either how to get high at the end of it or to get money to get high or to steal something to get high. I, I, stole, and every, I stole and lied to everyone I knew. And, you know, thank God Julie sent me to rehab. Probably probably a few days before I went to the needle. I never, I've never done heroin. Probably one of the drugs I've never done. Only, one of the only drugs I've never done. But I was close because those pills are expensive and heroin's not as expensive and I was running out of money. So I was probably about a week or two away from the pills. So thank God she sent me to rehab. Now once I had to rehab, the first three or four days or so, I was fucking angry at everyone else. You know, none of this was my fault. I was just angry at everyone. I shouldn't be here. I'm okay. I'm fine, you know? And I don't know what it was. I think I just, you know, being off drugs for about a week or so, I finally woke up one day and I was like, holy fuck, what have I done? You know, I I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. I remember I taped a towel to the mirror in my room because I don't want to fucking look at myself anymore. All that anger and hate I was projecting to others the first week or so I was there, I was now projecting that hate inward to myself. And I didn't think I deserved a family. I didn't think I deserved to live. Um, you know, so I almost got kicked out of rehab a few times, but luckily, after about a few weeks, I turned around and I kind of started making some progress. Um, I was only there for, what is it, 28 days, because that's all my insurance covered. 
didn't have any money to pay for it. So I left after that, and I stayed clean for about a month, maybe a little less. And, you know, the first when I got out, I was, like, on this cloud. Like, everything was so cool to be sober and do. But then I started comparing myself to others, which is a losing formula no matter what you compare yourself to. You can never compare, you know, your insides and what you've been through to other people's outsides, other people's social media accounts, you know. And, yeah, I was guilty of it, and I'm sure a lot of other people are. But so I felt bad about myself. I felt like a loser. I started using again. That lasted for a few months, and then this was kind of like the turning point for me. I remember I was driving to my dealer's house, and I had my son. He's about two years old at the time, almost two. And I knew if Julie caught me one more time, like we were done. She was kicking me out. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have a family anymore. I was done. So I was, I was at this stoplight, and I'll never forget this. I remember what he was wearing. I remember exactly where I was. Everything. I looked back at Anthony, and then I looked forward again. You know, I was at a stoplight. I looked back at him. I looked forward. I'm just like, does he deserve a father like this? You know, do I deserve him? You know, what if Julie finds out? I'll never have a, I won't have a family anymore. I'll be kicked out. Where will I go? What will I do? You know, but unfortunately, the drugs were a little stronger than my concerns. So I said, fuck it. She, she, she's never going to find out. And, you know, I went and got high. And I'm not sure how. I forget, but she did find out. And, you know, she kicked me out. She kicked me out of the house, and this was kind of this was kind of the last straw for me. I, I, you know, I thought I hated myself before when I was in rehab. Now I really fucking hated myself. I basically thought that my life was over. I didn't have anything else to live for. Um, I just got fired from a job. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a family. Fuck it. I'm just gonna keep on getting high. Hopefully, kill myself. That's really what I thought. I wanted to kill myself. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't think I had it in me to get to where I am today. So thank God after about a week of just like binging and partying at my father's house, you know, instead of the father, you know, building me up, he literally bought drugs for me and we did them together. Um, and I would, you know, tell my friends I wanted to kill myself and I was actually slitting my wrist a little bit. Superficially, you know, they definitely bled, but nothing that... Nothing too deep, but still, it's it's pretty scary. And so, thank God my friends called the cops, and I got Baker acted. So, those three or four days that I was there, they're kind of what I needed to, you know, truly, finally start to change. Now, once I started trying to change, I started kind of, like, researching, like, what does make people change? Why do people change? How do people change? And I've grown to learn that... Your brain, there's only two ways that you can truly change as like an adult. Your brain either has to link enough pain to your current actions to prompt the change, or your brain has to link enough happiness to your potential new actions for you to change. Preferably both, but at least one of those. So I had so much pain, I didn't want to live that way anymore. So I told myself, you know, it was time to change. It was time to stop living that life. And so my, you know, my transformation started, Thomas. At first, it was a very slow progression, it, and it still is. It definitely didn't happen overnight. That's the one thing I want to stress to everyone who's listening right now. If you want to change, it's the change is really the result of doing little things that matter consistently on a daily basis. 
You know, it's not, you know, people think success and failure of these huge, insurmountable things. But success and failure are really the result of small and daily consistent actions that improve and get you a little bit closer to your goal every single day. So, you know, things like waking up an hour early, writing your goals down and reading them every day and imagining them as complete, um, you know, listening to positive reinforcement, surrounding yourself with the right people, going to the gym or any physical activity, and, you know, just making new emotions run your life. Um, so the first year was clean, Thomas. I really started um, – sorry about that. Uh, clean – you know, I was just happy that I was clean, I was staying consistent at the gym, and I was getting in shape. Like, it didn't even cross my mind to start improving, you know, my mentality or my emotional stability yet. And, you know, I remember that I would, you know, listen to motivational videos. I like guys like Tony Robbins, um, Jocko Wilnick, Eric Thomas. And mm-hmm. I remember yep. two years ago, yeah, those are great guys, right? Never listened to that. Eric, Eric Thomas does some crazy stuff too. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah, man, he's you know he truly inspires me, and I'll kind of get into um, one particular thing he said later that um, really changed me. But um, so you know, I would watch their videos and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna do that." Yeah, and I get all pumped up driving home, and then I would get home and I wouldn't do shit, and I wouldn't even think about it for another week. So if anyone out there is listening that kind of know, because I knew what I should be doing for about a year, but I, you know, I didn't have the discipline or the work ethic to do it. So if anyone out there kind of like knows deep down in their head what they should be doing, don't waste a year like I did. Like get out there and just do it today. Um, you know, but outside of, you know, kind of those motivational videos, I believe Thomas that the gym, I attribute the largest percentage percentage of my transformation to the gym like at that time in my life I had no control of anything I, I couldn't control what I thought I couldn't control you know what others thought of me I couldn't control my job you know you need, you need other people's cooperation pretty much in everything that you do in life almost right so but not in the yeah. gym you know yeah basically but not in the gym all I needed was the doors to be open and you know I controlled what exercises I did. I controlled what, you know, the reps I performed. You know, I controlled my effort. You know, and I controlled my results because they're directly derived from that effort that I put in. So I loved being in 100% control. It was that one or two hours a day where I had control. No one could fuck with me that hour or two. And, you know, that started to build confidence. I started to see changes in my body. And like I said, it's the little things. Once you start doing those little things, your brain starts to go, oh, well, that felt good. How about I add something else? Maybe I'll feel even better. So you take the little things and you build off of those to get you on an upward trajectory. You know, you gain momentum, and then all of a sudden, you're taking action without even thinking about it. You know, so don't think about taking that huge next step. Start small, gain momentum, gain confidence, that will lead to a little bigger step and then a little bigger step. And then soon, like I said, you're taking action without thinking about it. So, um, like I said, I started doing a research on kind of, you know, what and how people changed. And there's a lot of studies that have shown that physical activity, not just the gym, any physical activity, 
changes the plasticity of your brain. Basically meaning that your brain is wired a certain way with the cells and neurons, and you start to rewire your brain and make your brain more open to change if you exert yourself physically, you know, three to six times a week. So anyone so who's trying to change... Just, no, go ahead. Ask so you're saying, that engage, you're saying that engaging in physical activity directly correlates to your brain being willing to open to change? Correct. Wow. Look, yeah, okay. look, look it up. Just, just Google. Anyone who's out there, just Google the plasticity of the brain and literally read read um, the first three or four articles that come up. Um, it's it's really amazing. So um, I won't get too much into the science and how it works, but, you know, basically your, the, your brain cortex does not like change. It fucking hates it. So our brains are 2 million years old, by the way, too. So they're not meant to thrive in 2018. They're meant to keep us alive from fucking, like, saber tooths and shit. You know? So our <laughs> brains are just... <laughs> that's what they are. So our brains are designed to maximize any potential risk. So anything new that you haven't done before or any change, your brain maximizes the risk and deems it as dangerous. Even if it's something that's not dangerous, your brain does not know that. Your brain does not know anything new. It doesn't know the outcome. So it perceives it as dangerous. So it doesn't want to change. Like, your brain doesn't know fake stress from, you know, your stress from your job. When you're stressed, your metabolism shuts down. Your brain doesn't know you're not watching for the same things. So your metabolism shuts down so your, all your blood goes to your extremities so you can run constantly and fight. So your brain can't determine fake stress from real stress. Um, sorry to kind of go off on that tangent there, but no, I think that was amazing. I didn't even know that. I mean, I think you honestly just gave me my topic for this week's blog post. Like, I think that's wild. I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, one, I'm in such disbelief. I'm blown away. Like, that was probably the most compelling story I've ever heard. But then to just kind of like the way you're progressing with it, I think it's just phenomenal. Like, please keep going. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. It really means a lot, man. And so. I want to reiterate to everyone that, you know, just because you get clean and sober doesn't mean, you know, bad shit stops happening, you know? It just means that you're able to deal with it more. When I was, I mean, when I was, you know, messed up, anything that happened, I would just, you know, self-medicate, self-medicate, self-medicate. So it was always still there. Nothing ever got better. Everything was compounding, compounding, compounding. And when you're sober, you can actually deal with things and get through them, and then they're done and put them behind you. So... Unfortunately, you know, my brother, he was in and out of prison. My father was a mess, and I put my mom through so much. I'm about a, a little over a year sober, and I noticed she's drinking a lot. She's turned into an alcoholic. So and my mother's like the sweetest lady. You would never think, like, ever she could become an alcoholic. But, you know, we put her through a lot of pain. We put her through a lot of shit, and, you know, it happened. So... You know, I had to, you know, take her to rehab, go to her counseling meetings, and uh, she'll be there for her. She was there for me. And, you know, the old me and the old mentality would have been like, why me? Poor me. Why our family? Nothing can happen. Right. Uh, da, da. You know, that's the old internal dialogue that I would tell myself. Just all this negative thinking, wondering why. And anyone who else is listening, never ask yourself that fucking question. 
Never, why me? Why is this happening to me? Nothing. It's, 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 a, it's pointless to ask yourself and go, there's no positive things that come out of it. Just focus on the solutions. How do I fix this problem? So, um, you know, I was just glad I was able to be there for my mother. Instead of focusing on why me, why me, I was focused that I'm sober, and then I can be there for my mother. Because if I didn't see her going down this hill, maybe she would have died. Maybe she would have killed herself on accident, you know? So, I was just happy that I was there and sober to be able to be there for her. And so, you know, she got out, she got clean, and she's great to this day. Um, you know, she watches my sons all the time. They absolutely love Mimi. But, you know, from there, that's when I really kind of started to progress is about a year ago, where I really started focusing on, you know, my mental, psychological, and emotional states and well-being, and trying to really be conscious and aware of what I was focusing on, what I was doing, and be deliberate in everything that I did. So, you know, like I said, I listened to, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, E.T., Jocko Wilnick, and they're always talking about find your passion, find your purpose, find your passion, find your purpose. You know, and I would always just, what the fuck is my purpose? What is it? You know, what is my passion? And, you know, when you start asking yourself questions like that, your subconscious mind will go to work on it. Right? So 100%. 100%. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to do something, you know, ask yourself the question three, four, five times a day. Think about it just for two minutes. Just because you're not physically actively thinking about it all throughout the day does not mean your subconscious mind is it. So, and it's funny you say, and it's funny you say that just to, to, to interject real quick. I remember the exact day and time, um, when my life changed this past summer. Um, just to give you a little quick background, I'm not sure if you were familiar. Like I, I graduated college, I got a job doing mortgage banking. I essentially realized that I fucking hated it and that that wasn't my purpose. And so, you know, this corporate office life wasn't for me. And so I'm, le- I'm leaving work one day. I just sat in a cubicle for nine hours, and I'm headed to the gym. And I'm at this stoplight, and I needed some motivational thing to listen to. And oddly enough, I found some Eric Thomas clip on SoundCloud. And I was like, all right, I'll put it on. Like, maybe it'll get me pumped for my workout. And the very first words right off the bat are, are you enjoying your life? And then that's followed by the what's your purpose, what's your passion. And it goes on for about 12 minutes or so. And just right there, like what you said, the gears just kind of just start grinding. And then all of a sudden your brain turns on and you start thinking. So I just want to say, like, that what you said is so correct. Like, all you need to hear yeah, are people words. don't realize that, you know, anyone listening right now, you know, have have purpose, have direction. So many people wake up and just live, just you know, meander throughout life without any true intent or true purpose. And, you know, people really make life so complex, Thomas, but it really comes down to doing a few simple things, you know? Um, what are they? You know, it, it, it really does. So, you know, the things that I would kind of, you know, focus on for anyone who's struggling out there, anyone just, you know, wants to start improving their life is, you know, first of all, got to start small, like I said before. Don't start too big if you, you know, provide unrealistic metrics for yourself. You start small because this is important. If, if you set unrealistic expectations for yourself and you don't hit them, your brain is going to go, see, dumb fuck, I told you you couldn't do it. Stop trying. 
That's just that's what happens. And so, so if you set those unrealistic expectations, you don't hit them, you fail, and you think you're not good enough. When really, you just set unrealistic expectations. So start small, gain that momentum, and build off of small actions. You know, something small. So I'll kind of tell you how I start my morning, if that's cool with you, Thomas. Perfect. Um, no, I, I was asking. I was actually just going to ask you about that. Like, I know, you know, for someone like myself, I kind of had to find my way, but a lot of people that I interact with, a lot of my listeners as well, you know, some of them are going through their own struggles. And I was just curious, you know, what your blueprint is, like, for your normal day. So, yeah, please, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I try to wake up, you know, between, like, 4.30 and 5 um, every day. I'm not, you know, even on Saturdays and Sundays, um, you know, because – this doesn't feel work to me, what I'm doing now. Like, I love it. I think about, you know, kind of, you know, my kids providing a better life for them and the struggling people out there. Like, if I don't do anything today, that I said that could set their life on a different path, you know? So that's kind of like my motivation to do that. But, you know, I get up between 4.30 and 5, and I start my day off with about 15 to 30 minutes of positive reinforcement. I go on my patio, I just sit there and relax with my coffee, and after my BCAs, of course, I take my BCAAs first thing to turn my body from anabolic to catabolic state, but um, I listen to 15 to 30 minutes of Tony Robbins, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, guys like that, because when you wake up, your subconscious mind takes over when you're sleeping. Those first 15 to 30 minutes when you wake up, your subconscious mind is still kind of at the forefront, so it's very imperative to feed as much positive reinforcement in those first 30 minutes. Um, and after that, I take uh, Tony Robbins' mental priming, um, what he taught me. I just I just stole it from him, basically. But I think I have said, heard of this before. Yeah. It's, it, it's, real, it's really it, – like I said, man, it's about doing the simple thing. Like my brother – sorry, I won't, won't even get to that. But my brother asked me, you know, what do I do? I'm like, bro, do the small and simple things because he's still, he's, he was over at my house the other day crying because he was withdrawing. He was only three days clean. And, you know, I'm trying to help him as much as I can, but like I said, the simple things, I wake up after 30 minutes of positive reinforcement, I close my eyes. After a breathing technique, I close my eyes and I imagine three things that I'm grateful for because the two emotions that mess us up most in life, Thomas, are fear and anger. And if you're grateful, you can't be fearful or angry simultaneously. So I focus on three things that I'm grateful for for a minute each. You know, I imagine how I felt in that moment, what I saw, what I heard, everything. Then I take the next, you know, three or four minutes. And, you know, don't pray to God. You just pray to a higher power or whatever you believe in, you know, to heal your mind, your body, and your soul and to strengthen Whatever is already, what already, already good qualities about you. Alright? And then project that energy and those vibes off to your friends and your loved ones. And then the last three or four minutes, you focus on three things that you want to accomplish. They can be short term, you can be long term, whatever you want. And you picture them and imagine them as already done. So, this is one of the hugest things, Thomas, I think, is already knowing that what you're trying to accomplish is done. You have to act and live as if your goal's already accomplished. And when I first heard that, I'm like, that sounds so stupid. Like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm broke and I got nothing going on. How do I act as if I'm 
some success, you know, and I never got it at first. And then all of a sudden it was, a, it was probably about a month ago. I was just, I have a lot of good things going on right now. And, um, and all of a sudden I'm just like, I'm at the gym and I and I'm just like, I haven't felt this good in a long time. I hold all life. And I was like, this is what the fuck they meant. Like, this is what they meant. Like, you can't get that feeling just from trying to think about it. you got to live it, you know? And so after, you know, a few months of living it, I finally started feeling that I was already a success, um, you know, even though I'm still on my way up. So that's a good thing I do, um, you know, in my morning. And then, you know, about 5.15, 5.30, I get to work. So that's kind of, you know, my morning blueprint. But to and you think that 100% you think that 100% has like the impact to just change your day that, that 15 to 30 minutes right when you wake up do I think what you think that that first 15 to 30 minutes right when you wake up that has the impact to completely change your day dude completely like sometimes I don't like, I would say I'm in the mood about 80 to 90% of the time to do this. Sometimes I'm not in the mood. And over the holiday break, I really got to my kids were at school for two weeks. I was off work for a week. I didn't, I didn't do it consistently. And I didn't go to the gym consistently. And I literally, like, could, I was, aware, thank God I'm aware of it now so I can fix it. But my, my thought pattern started to shift from my old way of thinking. So, 100%. I think it's, I, yeah, even only after like five days of not going to the gym and not doing my mental priming in the morning and not that positive reinforcement, my, you know, so, I didn't act on anything, but I was just, I had a negative mind frame for a few days until I got back into my routine. So it's that consistency that you really need to keep. Yeah, exactly. At least for me, someone, you know, I lived my life 29 years one way, you know, this is very new for me, this new lifestyle. So, especially being in the infancy of it, I can't, you know, it's only been, I've only been doing this for about a year or so, so, you know, I can't stop doing it and expect to, you know, function the same, to put the same amount of effort out if I'm not putting the same in. You get in what you put out, and that's it. So, with all, like, with you being a year into this now, and you're very self-aware in that you've realized what you're capable of. Like, what are your plans for 2018? Like, this is your year now where essentially, like, you're in control and it, it seems like the sky's the limit for you. Like, do you, do you have anything big you got going on that you got planned? Yeah, so, you know, my plans for 2018, um, you know, I have my first, you know, I've been sharing all, you know, uh, local youth groups and stuff um, like that, but I have my first, like, formal hour-long presentation in Jacksonville on the 21st. With, um, oh, congrats! That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, congrats. thanks, man. I'm I'm, I'm really stoked about you. that. Yeah, I got. I mean, I'm doing I'm doing this podcast with you right now, so you know, my first podcast. Um, you know, I eventually want to get in the next few weeks my own podcast and YouTube channel up as well to kind of tell my story and um, stuff like that. And I want to be. I'm actually taking um, health and life coach certification classes as well. So. In about four and a half months, I'll be a certified health and life coach. So by the end of 2018, I want to be a full-time, you know, speaker, health and life coach, entrepreneur. 
Um, and I have, you know, a, a kind of a detailed plan on how I'm going to achieve that. Seems like the year is looking busy for you, Jim. I mean, I just want to say, like, I am absolutely blown away. I mean, I kind of just got lost in your words. I, I can never imagine any human going through all that and then completely reversing their life into what you have. You know, obviously, this is a, a, a audio platform for our listeners. Like, Jim is, he's in better shape than I am. He's killing it. His family <laughs> is beautiful. He's doing well. Like, it's just, and then to hear you say all that, it's just, that's crazy. And I, I guess, like, yeah, and, and, and I, I used to I lose my past. Sorry to cut off, Mark, but I used to use my past as a reason to act the way I acted. You know, look who I was raised. It's crazy. Oh, is this normal? You know, I rationalized it. You can rationalize anything you want in your life. It's just, you know, if you're going to take that and use it for fire or use it as an excuse. So I guess, like, for anyone that's going through something very similar and if they just if they need that one piece of advice, like that one applicable tool or tip that can get them out of their rut, what, what would you give them? If you, if you had some kid come up to you and was like, listen, Jim, just give me one thing to change my life. One thing, I would say there's just so many different things I'm thinking of right now. Break it down to one. But, um, you know. Or just, like, give me, like, give me, like, your top. Like, like yeah, 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 okay. Of, like, you know, first of all, take full accountability and responsibility for everything that happens to you. You know, have you ever heard of anyone, you know, making it to the top and being like, huh, well, that was just luck. I didn't do shit. Fuck no. Never, <laughs> no one's ever no one's ever done that. Why the fuck would you do it if you fail? Why? It makes no sense. If you're going to blame others for your failures, you better be damn sure to blame them for your success, too. All right? So take full accountability for everything that you do. Um, also, stop giving, stop caring what other people think. I care what other people think for a while. That's why I didn't start this. As soon as I stopped, I, you know, started to, you know, thrive a little bit. Um, two more, you know, failure is okay. You know, I think most people are so scared of failure that they don't even try. So just want to let you guys failure, you know, to know it's, it's okay to fail. And if you're not failing, you're not growing and you're not, and you're not learning. You're just going to stay stuck. And if you know what, this type of lifestyle isn't for everybody. If you're happy, and you're nine to five, and you just want to go do that, take care of your stuff, and go home, and you're truly happy in that lifestyle, that's amazing. I'm happy for you, you know? But if you want to progress and you want to grow, you're going to have to go through failure. And, you know, last but not, last but not least is that know who you are deep down. So my brother asked me last night, dude, I was doing so good. Why? It's like every time I'm doing, I don't even want to get high anymore. But every time I'm doing good, I go high back and I use again. And I go, well, because your brain has to associate with who you think that you are. No matter what, it'll find a way to associate with how you identify yourself. And I know him, and I know he identifies himself as a piece of shit. He's a drug addict. He thinks he's a loser. So every time he starts doing well, you know, his subconscious mind will find a way to knock him down a few pegs. So, you know, know who you are and try and fix that self-perception if it's not a good one. Those are my two kind of 
you know, tips that I have for anyone who's out there struggling and anyone who's kind of trying to improve their life on it. Holy shit, Jim. I mean, damn, that was, that was powerful. Seriously, man, thank you so much. Well, I mean, I can't stress enough. I mean, just sitting here, you know, in, in my little room office right now, I feel I feel so motivated. Like I feel like I'm not doing enough now. Like you are on fire, man. I think I couldn't agree with anything more that you said. And I think that I think that the our listeners are just gonna be blown away by by everything you said. Jim, seriously, thank you so much for everything. No, I, thank I, you, I Thomas, for allowing me. I, you know, I, have, I have the word. I, 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 <laughs> I literally, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Like I kind of just have to. Like, you know, when this call is done, I think I'm I'm going to take your advice and sit down for 15 minutes and just reflect on everything. And I think you've definitely opened up a ton of new perspectives for me. And I think for anyone out there, I think you just gave them the perfect blueprint in how to succeed. So, Jim, from the bottom of my heart, seriously, thank you so much, man. Like, you persevered. You're powerful. And I see it, man. Like, you're you're killing it. Like, nothing but success is coming your way. Hey, Thomas, thank you very much, man. What you're doing took so much courage as well, man. Um, I just want to apply to you as well. I want to, you know, help inspire others to do what, what, what you did and take those and trust in themselves. So, you know, um, I really appreciate it, man, and I hope this is the beginning of, uh, of a good friendship. Awesome, man. Yeah, you have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you soon, man. Take care. Sounds good, brother. See you, man. Wow. Holy shit. That was, that was absolutely mind-blowing. Oh my gosh. I mean, who would have thought that a person can go through so much? Literally, like I said at the beginning, ups and downs were an understatement. I mean, I just feel so motivated right now just to get up off my ass and do something. I mean, to go through all of that, I mean, the drug and alcohol addiction aside, everything else is just ridiculous. This man has lived a million lives worth more than we can ever imagine. And through everything he's been through, he's pushed through to come out on top and be such a success. You know, I'm super happy for what 2018 holds for Jim. You know, like he said, he's you know getting his certifications for to be a health and lifestyle coach, and I think he's going to kill it in that. I mean, when you have that much knowledge and experience on life, and you were your own experiment, and that you could take your life from one terrible, dark, dark place, and just will it, will your life to become a success and to be happy and enjoy your life and be who you are. I mean, this man, if he can move me with his words like that over the phone, I can only imagine what he can do with people that he works with face to face. You know, his family is beautiful. You know, again, early happy birthday to his son. Congratulations on that. And I mean, just, Jim, I want to thank you again. It's I was absolutely blown away. And, guys, I, I hope you have the same reaction. I mean, 
If this doesn't motivate you, wherever you are in life, if the story you just heard, the journey that was just described to you, if that doesn't motivate you to get up and go do something and change your life, then just stop listening. <laughs> I have no I have no words for you. I mean, again, the fact that you could just physically and mentally take yourself from underneath rock bottom and just rise above the clouds. I it's I mean, just I have nothing but I have nothing but kudos and and just and just genuine applause for him. Like it's oh my gosh i was from everything he said from you know his early morning routine to the small little life hacks that you can do to the mental you know to, to the mind games that you have to kind of play with yourself you know to the speeches you have to give yourself to the ability to look at your family look at your life and ask yourself you know where are you and then just you know, the ability to continuously battle and fight and just never give up. I mean, Jim, the only thing I can say is thank you. I, I think, you know, you changed many lives with that story. You definitely changed mine. And everyone, please go check this man out. Give him a follow. I've, I've never wanted to see someone succeed more than I have with Jim. Like I said, I mean, this man is just on fire right now, and I'm so excited to see what 2018 brings him. You can find him on Facebook at Jimmy DeFalco, J-I-M-M-Y-D-E-F-A-L-C-O, Jimmy DeFalco, and you can find him on Instagram at Jim Dad. That's J-Y-M underscore Dad. You can also find him on my page at Real Chin Shady. I'll put a link to all his stuff in the description here for this podcast. So you can simply just click and go check him out. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as moved by this as I was. And I sincerely hope that you take this and you do something with it. Because I know I most certainly am. Until next time, guys, thank you so, so much. Thomas Mark, signing out.